Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is up, everybody? Happy early Thanksgiving to you all. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and it's Steelers week. Unfortunately, it's lost a little bit of luster, <laughs> to say the least, with the state of the Bengals roster. Their starting quarterback is out for the season, yet not on IR, I don't think, as of this point. So we'll have to see exactly what happens there. I'm Anthony Cazenza getting ready to fill up on some turkey and all kinds of good stuff tomorrow. He is John Sheeran. What's going on, buddy? Well, we we can't gloss over one of the more underrated holidays going on right now. Blackout Wednesday. If you are sober, um, obviously respect that uh, probably smart uh, life change. But um, I'm I'm sure we got some listeners getting ready to partake in the festivities tonight. So shout out to all you. I I remember, and this this is me sounding like the old guy. I remember when I was when I was in college and even a little after it was uh, man the the night before Thanksgiving that was always kind of a rager you go out and you uh, mm-hmm. you go have some fun at a lot of different places a lot of different bars you see a lot of people come in town from either their college or they're coming back uh, if they moved out of state or something moved out of the city they're coming back to see their their family and so you get to kind of reconnect with a lot of people so hopefully people are doing that i i you know i'm too old for that kind of stuff now john i may just have one at home a little later and uh do that but regardless we're here to talk some cincinnati Bengals. hopefully all of you are gearing up for a fun holiday whether it's tonight tomorrow or maybe even throughout the maybe you're doing a friendsgiving afterward i hope you have fun with all of that this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast part of the cincy jungle podcast network wherein you can get this show, Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. They just had Jeff Blake on this week, so that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, um, a guy who knows a thing or two about backup quarterbacks and rising to stardom from that, right? Uh, so uh, Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk with Matt Minnick, and of course, Three and Out with the boys, Jason and Kevin. Uh, you, me, and, and the guys at, at with Bengal Jim there, we just, we, hey, we're not taking the week off. Uh, no offense. I, I, hey, the other guys, I get it. They got lives. They got families. They're going out of town. I get it. It's all good. I kid, of course. And, of course, if you like what we do on the video side of things, you can click the show icon underneath John's side of the screen there by the SB Nation icon. Click our Orange and Black Insider show icon to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when new content is available when we go live, all that kind of stuff. Of course, if you like what we do, give us a thumbs up on the video. And you got to give a thumbs up as well to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. You can uh, get all kinds of stories. Our podcast streams, all that stuff are there as well. And I would be remiss, aside from going to CincyJungle.com, again, my guy John writing up all kinds of stuff. He's doing the, uh, remember the, what's that Jim Carrey movie? Uh Bruce Almighty. Oh, my Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Where he's yeah. remember when he's hammering away. Yeah. I picture you hammering away at a to z sports.com with that like old Bruce Almighty. 
hammering away the Bengals and AFC North content. Anyway, that being said, uh, I I put well, we put up a poll on the Bengals Twitter account, and it got it got some votes. It didn't get a ton, but it got some. But there was some maybe a little controversy with it. And John, the the poll question was. What is the outcome? Essentially, what is the outcome you would like to see the most from the Bengals at this point now that Burrow is done for the year? Now, obviously, we all would love Jake Browning to come in and, you know, do the A.J. McCarron and more type of thing, get him into and through the playoffs and, and say, wow, what a, what a nice run. You know, there's the Tom Brady type of thing or whatever, whatever other, you know, thing you want to you want to talk about with that. But that just, you know, number one, it makes the question too easy. And number two, that seems to be the least likely scenario. No offense to Jake Browning, no offense to the Bengals. It just seems, you know, Burrow's that important to this team. So I ask you, John, you have three options. The Cincinnati Bengals lose most or all of their games to get the highest draft pick possible. The Cincinnati Bengals sneak into a wild card berth but lose in the first round and don't go through, or, and get the lower draft pick, less premium pick, or somewhere in the middle where they get an okay draft pick. So there's pros and cons to each, and you got to weigh those. So I just wanted to ask that if you wanted me to play some devil's advocate this week for you. It's a good question. Um, Personally, the most fun option would obviously be if they win, not just from like a fan's perspective, but from a professional perspective. Um, Covering losing sucks. And regardless of the context of the losing, even in 2020, I mean, just the difference between the two injuries, I think like 2020 after Burr went down, the, the severity of that injury combined with how just bleak the team looked afterwards because the team was already not very good. It's not a good time, not a good time for content. And it was kind of a struggle, for, I think, for all of us in the industry, especially with how the season ended against the Ravens when they gave up like 500 yards on the ground. Not very fun. Um, so if they were to pull off this, because it was already going to be a tall task with Burrow out there against the the toughest remaining uh, schedule in the NFL. It was already going to be a tall task with the starting quarterback. If they were to pull it off with a quarterback that many people were highly skeptical of entering this regular season based off of what he did in training camp in the preseason, if he were to completely flip that on its head and do a 180 and all of a sudden look like one of these uprising backup stories and, and command the team to you know four or five wins and get into the playoffs and hell even win a playoff game like that would be a phenomenal story and personally like when your team is comprised the way it is now where the veteran leaders are in place like it's it's all established at this point it doesn't like like tanking it's just kind of stupid and it's stupid in general but it's especially stupid when you have the core pieces in place i feel like winning is never not a bad thing to do to maintain a, a winning culture within the organization, within the locker room, all that jazz. It just attracts more positivity, attracts free agents, the whole nine yards, right? So, it, like the the idea of like losing out, it, it's it's never going to be appealing. It's it might be inevitable because again, the quarterback just might not be it, and this is all just not to be worried about because that's probably not losing out entirely, but losing more games than winning is the more likely scenario like you mentioned. So I feel like that's just, it's just a reality that, that you accept. And it's not even something where it's like, do they want to do that? When at the, at the end of the day, they, they might not have a choice because again, like Jake Browning, he, he can be decent in times, but I, I don't think anyone really expects more than like four wins out, out of this. So it's just like winning would be fun. And I think it would be like the, the coolest outcome. But like you said, like, it's just, it's not even tanking on purpose. It's just going to be, it's just probably what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, that's why I didn't use the term tank um, because I don't think that's, I, these guys are going to go out there and they're going to play. And I'm, I'm so initially I was kind of on, on the, on the mindset of let's just kind of maybe not win many games at all, get, get the highest pick possible, get a more premium player, especially when the Bengals have had recent high picks, they've kind of hit on them. Uh, and that includes high picks in the second round too. And in the third, you know, I mean, you could go back to the 2020 draft and, and the 21 draft. I mean, they're, they're, when they had the high picks, they've, they've hit on some big, big players to get them where they are today and where they have been the last couple of years. But um, as I sit here now and, and, you know, obviously what you said was really resonating 
there's also a lot of guys in this in this locker room that the Bengals invested heavily in in free agency and or will become free agents this next year. And these are guys that were critical to their last couple of runs. And you would like to see them fight hard, win, maybe sneak into the playoffs, see what happens. The other thing with this, and, and I don't want to, you know, obviously no Burrow, that's a big knock on this, this Bengals team right now. But, I mean, you look around, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are very, very good. But the Chiefs the other night, man, I mean, they were dropping balls left and right. The weather was terrible, but it didn't affect the Eagles quite the same way as it did the Chiefs. We've seen the Chiefs, you know, they lost the opener against Detroit. They've had some stumbles. They're very good, but they have vulnerabilities. You see the team the Bengals are set to play this week. Getting 10 points scored is an absolute chore for them. Um, so, you know, and they play them twice. Then you've got the Browns who barely got past that mark with 13 points and a backup quarterback, their second, their third starting quarterback this year. So, you know, you look at it and you go, well, I mean, this is a tough schedule, obviously. Three more AFC North games remain. You got the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of tough games on here, but there are teams that are still, even with Jake Browning, kind of winnable uh, in, in some regards. So I, I still, for a variety of reasons, I guess the, the emotional part, the passionate part, and the fact to say, hey, you know, this team – don't discredit what Joe or does or doesn't mean to the franchise if they win without him. I still think that, man, if you're if you're able to get or even get close to the playoffs, right? You're you're like, man, you're right there last week or two. I think that would go a long way in that locker room, too. And it would it would mean a lot to the guys who may or may not be here next year because their contracts are expiring. It would mean a lot to a guy like Jamar Chase. And then you hit on a big point too, man. The, the impending free agents, the outside guys that may be attracted to come to Cincinnati, they they would say, you know, if for some reason Joe goes down, this entire ship doesn't go down, right? We, there's a deep enough team to still be competitive. If I get paid well here, this roster is pretty deep and we can do some things. It, it would just be so fascinating because this, like the Bengals have been completely dependent on high play from Burrow. It hasn't been a situation where they've been able to carry him if he doesn't have his best day. I think the best example that you could give would be like the Rams or the Seahawks. And that's that's when you had your, the defense playing out of its mind, but the defense has been so inconsistent that you just can't, you can't consistently rely on that like you have been able to for the past couple of years. It would do a lot for the Zach Taylor narrative too. How is it completely just Burrow just doing his checks at the line? And just the quality of his play that's carrying what play calling is is going on within you know the, the the structure of the offense and everything like that. If they're able to put up consistent offensive numbers with a backup quarterback, albeit with with the full cast of characters and everything, it would go a long way for that. And just how that whole discuss, uh, discussion discourse would evolve as well. I I, I think like going to the playoffs and losing. It, it it seems like the most you know all all for not type of situation. Uh, if if you get there, you you would like to win. So, so to answer like your original question, that would be the least attractive of the three. Um, but I, I think there is a point about every team out there still has its warts. And if this was a situation where Burrow is playing at his best, you like the Bengals pretty much against anyone that they go up against. Like there's never going to be a situation where you're thinking the Bengals have no chance of winning this game. And that was probably already the situation whenever you have Burrow playing good, but you saw him, you know, kind of elevating himself in the, in the past several, several weeks and month or so. And, you know, even with, with the down game against Houston, you figure, you know, it's just kind of a blip in the radar or whatever. So it, it, it is incredibly fascinating though, how the Bengals have kind of put themselves in the situation where the first four weeks when Burrow clearly wasn't himself, they had the opportunity to play Jake Browning and they stood by Burrow. They were very confident in him playing up to his you know, standard. And clearly that wasn't going to be the case until he got healthy in October. And now you have Jake Browning out there saying that I don't want the offense to be limited around what I can and can't do. Brian Callahan has full confidence in him. You don't know if that's just coach speak or if it's what he truly believes, but if it is what he truly believes, Anthony, it's so interesting how they had the chance to play this guy and potentially get an extra win when they needed to earlier in the season, but they chose to, to go out there with Burrow on one leg and just and just hope for the best, which would indicate that they didn't trust Browning to do all this. And now you're kind of hearing the opposite 
and now you're putting all of this on him to salvage what remains of the season. So if if it's able to go down like that, if he's able to win enough games to keep them in the playoff conversation, it would be one of the best stories in the NFL. And I think that's something worth rooting for. For sure. And I mean, look, Browning has been a guy has been, you know, the backup guy for a couple of years here and he's beat out. I mean, this year he beat out Simeon who I think pretty much everybody thought was going to be, you know, but when, when that signing happened, you're like, okay, there's the backup. Right. I mean, I, that's just what it seemed like. And uh, he outplayed him. I mean, neither of them were really lighting it up per se in the preseason, but the thing that fascinates me, and I said this on our last episode, um, I've said it a number of times to, to everybody is I, I'm really fascinated to see how Browning performs not only with a week's worth, week and a half's worth of, of playbook digestion, more snaps, more reps, all of that as the guy, but also throwing to stars and starters and playing with stars and starters, not having to run for his life behind a patchwork offensive line of guys that were either fringe roster guys or maybe not even in the league at, at, at this point or, or at some point. And then, of course, other wide receivers who are practice squad guys or not even with the Bengals anymore, that sort of thing. So uh, he's instead throwing to one of the best wide receivers in the league in Jamar Chase. Um, we don't know about T. Higgins, who sat out practice again this week. But, uh, to, you know, Boyd, uh, it, it, there's starters and there are star players that he's going to be playing with. Um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be rust, jitters, all kinds of stuff. But, I mean, I think – there's got to be at least a little bit of excitement when your backup quarterback who has shown a little bit in the preseason is now playing with the, the big cast of characters. And he was doing that in practice uh, in, during training camp, which I think is another factor here that Good it's, point. Not, yeah. it's not uh, comparable to other backups just kind of being thrown in there. It's just the, <laughs> it's the reality, I guess, of being the backup for the Bengals in training camp because Burrow's usually dealing with something. Hopefully that won't be the case next year. But that, that was something that he talked about in his presser and how it's kind of added confidence. And that's going to be like, it, it's not just the fact that there's a drop off probably in the accuracy and the velocity and all the other things that makes Burrow special along with just the intangibles and everything and his overall knowledge of the offense and, and the scheme and everything. But it's the timing of, you know, getting these routes down, getting these, getting these throws down as well. And if, if he's truly in a situation where, I don't want any handcuffs on me. I want the entire offense at my disposal. Like I am the starter in the first place. Then there, if, if that's the case and there's no limitations, then he has to operate with the efficiency that Burrow has in order for this team to have any chance, which is why the, the likelihood of all this is, is pretty minimal. And especially right out of the gate, when you have a, a good defense or at least a good pass rush that the Steelers have, that can make even Joe Burrow's life you know pretty hard in, in the two times that they play him. So it's it's going to be it's going to be so fascinating to see because this this is not like this is not like a lot of backups kind of being thrown out there but the pressure for him to perform is just so considerably higher than for most teams that are you know like the Bengals are a good team but so much of their success is dependent on the quarterback playing at a high level yeah they still they still have a, a playoff pulse i mean they're down the pecking order a bit but i mean you win a handful of games you're you're going to be right in that conversation towards towards the end there particularly when you're winning the AFC games, oddly enough, a very <laughs> kind of somewhat misquoted situation today, but one um, wherein, you know, the Minnesota Vikings are in this same boat and they're, they're pretty competitive at this point with Josh Dobbs who came over in a trade uh, halfway through the season here. So the Bengals are a little bit in, in a similar boat, if not even in better shape as Jake Browning mentioned on a Bengals.com article saying, this isn't me going to a completely new team, a new system, and then starting. This is me. I've been here for the past couple of years. I know the system. I know the terminology. I know the players. So I, I potentially uh, things are lining up better for him than say a Josh Dobbs who kind of went over to Minnesota and has had pretty, pretty decent success, not only just overall this year, but definitely with Minnesota. Uh, coming over from Arizona, I I, I want to bring this up, and I, you know I don't know Kenyon. This is it's a fair point to bring up. Um, I don't know how much we want to uh, harbor on this, but there's been you know graphics and memes and all kinds of stuff being thrown out since the Burrow injury and his quote. For those listening on the audio side, um, I'm sorry to say this, but I believe Joe is going to end up like Andrew Luck with the type of O line that he has. However, I may be wrong, just my opinion. Now the Bengals have. We talked about the offensive line. They've, they've 
put uh, a lot of capital in, in the offensive line. The hits and the sacks are still there at a lesser rate than they were at least in 21 when they made the Super Bowl, but they're there. But the, the similarity too, though, John, and I would say even more so luck than Burrow, but their willingness to take hits, their willingness to get in there, run around, either in the pocket, out of the pocket and throw the ball or run around and run downfield and take a hit. So that's where a parallel is. I would say luck even more. I, I remember seeing luck duck his head down <laughs> a lot of times running the ball. Um, I mean, it's 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 a career arc that is similar. I We're only four years in here with Burrow, so I don't want to hit the panic button yet. But there's a litany of injuries here that are worrisome. There, this, this conversation is just it, – it's so much more complex than people give it credit for. It's – I don't want to say it's a lazy comparison – because it's there, there are parallels to it, and I don't fault anyone for doing that. People don't give enough credit to how much the game has changed in all facets. Part of it is defenses are just better; they're bigger, faster, stronger. They've evolved more than the average offensive lineman has. Quarterbacks in the way that they play have evolved too, and unfortunately, that evolution of watching guys like Mike Vick and Steve Young and uh, Robert Griffin, I just, just throw out any, like any of the quarterbacks that have inspired the best quarterbacks today, the, the guys who grew up playing Madden scrambling around the pocket, like the, the average quarterback, the average great quarterback now plays different than the average great quarterback of 15, 20 years ago. And I think over time you will see a natural decline in longevity for even some of the great quarterbacks. It would be so impressive if a guy like Patrick Mahomes played as long as Tom Brady, the likelihood of that is just, not likely at all, right? Because they just play differently. And Tom Brady was just, it, it, he was an anomaly in so many ways anyways. So I, I think with Burrow, obviously the, the the laundry list of injuries is concerning. I think though that with Andrew Luck, what happened with him, it was such an anomaly too because of, of a player of that, of that magnitude retiring at such an early age because of the injuries. But I, I think with Burrow, he's not any different than some of these other quarterbacks because these guys are all taking more hits than their predecessors were. And I think you will see in the next 10, 15 years, maybe some other quarterbacks retiring at a little bit earlier age. And maybe those quarterbacks don't have these terrible offensive lines, but it's just the way that the game is kind of going. Quarterbacks are getting more and more banged up. We've seen it this year. Five, six, seven of them are out for the season because of either bad protection or just pretty bad luck. And with Burrow, it happened to be both. So like the whole Andrew Luck thing, it's, it's going to be, a, a critical point in NFL history, but I don't think it's going to be a situation where it's like, if it happens to another quarterback, it's like, it's not an indictment of just neglect from a franchise perspective, which it was with the Colts because they could, they rarely ever address the offensive line. Unlike what the Bengals have done in past years. I think it's just, it's just a bigger NFL problem than is a Bengals or Joe Burrow problem. Yeah. And Luck's Luck's an outlier truly um, with, with what happened there. I mean, that's not you're not seeing that left and right and just, oh, so that's the that's the path. Now, I, I again, there are parallels, there are worries and comparisons where you go. Uh, um, but I, I just, I, you know, I, I think it's premature for that. And again, that's that would be the, the parallels exist because, you know, number one overall pick and, you know, it, the whole deal. But it, it's it's a little premature at this point And. Again, we're not seeing a lot of examples like an Andrew Luck where, you know, where they are seemingly in the the prime of their career and they just say thanks, but no thanks and walk away. And I don't really see we discussed this, I think, last week a little bit, too. I don't really see that. Um, this is no knock on Andrew Luck. I'm just talking more about Joe Burrow. I just I don't really see that as much in Burrow's DNA. Um, in terms of I'm going to walk away early, I'm going to, you know, screw this, I'm done. I just, I, I don't really see that. Uh, that's not an indictment on Andrew Luck's character. That's not an indictment on other players who have retired early. I just, I don't really, from what I know of Joe Burrow, I just don't really see that. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about that too. Uh, it's like everything that we know about Burrow and he doesn't put his character, he doesn't put his personal life out there that much. He's just lived and breathed football his entire life. And he's talked a lot about getting hit as part of the game. And I think 
ultimately, like every player throughout their career gets hurt a lot more than we know. Obviously, when a player gets out yeah. for the rest of the year, it makes pretty big news. Um, but there are injuries that we don't know about. There are injuries for Andrew Luck that we didn't know about that he probably played through and, and toughened out. I think the players who end up lasting are those who are committed to the recovery process and just the process in general. And th- there's just no indication that Burrow is ever going to lose that addiction to the process. He's kept, got it pretty down <laughs> bad at this point. Yep. Um, yep. I, I, I think that's just, he's just wired in a way where it's like, you just know that he's kind of in this for the long haul. And if, if, it, if that ends up being not the case, then that's what it is. And, you can chalk that up to the record book, but you know, like it's just, it, it, it's, it's the easy statement to make and it's almost like a coping mechanism maybe, but it's just, it's just too early. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but we do know a little bit of some news, etc., going into this week for the Bengals as they host the Steelers coming off of this mini buy where they've been hit with a lot of bad news, but there have been some pieces of encouraging or good news on the injury front for the Bengals. Um, I, you know, we're, we're obviously talking at this point about T Higgins, um, Sam Hubbard and Cam Taylor Britt, Cam Taylor Britt per Ian Rappaport was, was day to day. Um, and then there's kind of some, uh, some encouraging news, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't all the way it didn't all the way come to fruition from the from what Zach Taylor had said earlier until now. What I mean by that, and this is from uh, Olivia Ray, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals, and we wrote this up on Cincy Jungle. We're also going to show you the actual injury report. Um, you know, there's kind of some good news here with these guys, um, and this was as of this morning, Wednesday morning. And you see here, Zach Taylor again, Olivia Ray from, uh, I think it's, I think she's with WLWT. Um, We will likely see T Higgins, Sam Hubbard and Cam Taylor Britt at practice today. Well, that wasn't the case for Higgins. Um, And then Chase Brown, who was, um, you know, brought off of IR, not, I I don't believe he's on the active roster yet, John, um, but said Chase Brown is quote, feeling pretty good. And that he is quote, encouraged with where he is at right now so and that is from kelsey conway of the cincinnati Inquirer, relaying that on twitter there um i will pin the the stories in here so you can also follow those uh those two reporters there for the great work they do for the team um but t higgins john did not practice on wednesday i believe i know i know hubbard did he was out there and i did ctb i i, I gotta re- no. re-review that there um, so yeah, a couple of them did not, did not come to fruition there, but that doesn't mean again, CTB was day to day Higgins now dealing with this thing for the past couple of weeks, the hamstring thing. Um, so here's the injury report. Will you walk us through it? My friendo. Yeah, I got you. So yeah, like you said, T Higgins suffered the hamstring injury during the, during or no, it was practicing after the bills game so it's leading up to the texans game right those are nagging uh he's i mean if he's not practicing today he might be a game time decision we don't know it's probably too early he may practice thursday he may not we're no doctors dj reader is sick right now that's kind of going around so he didn't practice either cam taylor Britt has led the nfl in receptions since week five and since week five he's been dealing with a quad injury um he kind of activated it against the ravens on thursday night Love playing on short rest, so he didn't practice. Everyone else did, um, aside from Joe Burrow. Um, hey, Joe Burrow's listed on, listed on the injury report because he's dealing with an injury. I wonder if that's yeah. <laughs> due diligence. Kim Davis gave nope. limited again. Um, same Hubbard limited with the ankle injury. He suffered that against the Bills. Andre Yosevis, yep. who suffered his knee injury against the Texans, missed the game against the Ravens. He was limited too. Chase Brown, who was good to practice, like you said, on Monday was a full participant on Wednesday. If I were to guess, Chase Brown gets activated Saturday, and that corresponding move would be Joe Burrow going on IR. Yeah, that's probably accurate. And then uh, full practice from Irwin, Cam Sample, and Jonah Williams. And then on the Steelers' side of things, 
No practice for George Pickens, who has a shin injury. Uh, veteran rest for Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, Minka Fitzpatrick did not practice with a hamstring issue. Uh, and then you've got a couple of other guys who went limited and Cam Hayward also did not practice limited. I think he had a, a what was it? A groin injury earlier this year that kept him out for a number of games yeah. as well. So, um, but he has been back and the, you know, the, the Steelers are relatively healthy, but a couple of big names on here, Pickens, Fitzpatrick and Hayward not practicing, but, uh, you know, Peterson also on there, but Peterson was rest as was Hayward, the other two Fitzpatrick and Pickens with respective injuries. So that's kind of the injury front going into this one, John, what is it that the Bengals need to do the most this week? I mean, is it going to be a lot of run game stuff? If, if your prediction comes true, that Chase Brown comes in, gets activated, Burrow on IR, I mean, are we expecting to see a lot of mixing in Brown with Browning under center? Kind of seems like a game where there might be close to, what, 60 total rushes combined from both sides. <laughs> yeah. Um. Joe, I mean, Joe Mixon has had good games against the Steelers in the past. Uh, he didn't play in the second one last year. That was Samaji Pirine having a two-touchdown performance in the passing game. But it has mostly just been Mixon running the ball. That's doesn't seem to be sustainable if they are to play deep into January in that scenario. Um, They need a healthier rotation behind him. They don't seem to trust Chris Evans at all running the ball. Trevion Williams gets an opportunity here or there. Chase Brown would give you the most dynamic dynamicism and the best possible compliment in terms of just the difference of attack compared to Mixon. But again, he's rushed the ball, what, three times this year? He's been out for the past four or five weeks. I don't think you give him five, 10 carries out the gate in his first game back. So I, I, I'm not sure if the game plan is going to be tremendously different. I think it's going to be dependent on how the game goes. Obviously, like anything does, maybe out of the gate, they, they do go under center just because Jake Browning at least has experience, you know, conducting some wide zone concepts like he's been practicing in the system for two years. He's seen the evolution of it with his own eyes, but I, I think his strength is not necessarily just to go and shotgun 95% of the time like you would with Burrow. So when you're under center and you can run more under center plays, you can try to stretch the defense out with some more wide zone concepts. Maybe that involves a bigger emphasis on the run game. But again, just because Chase Brown hasn't been practicing that much. And even in the times that he was practicing, that wasn't really part of the offense necessarily. So I would I would imagine Joe Mixon gets probably north of you know 15, 18 carries in this one, and they try to build some play action concepts off that as well. I was just gonna say I don't think I, I expect a ton of play action, but I think I expect a healthy amount of play action. Much like the very first play when Browning came in, the play action off of boot and wrapped back around and, and you know threw the ball from that. I expect to see more of that because he's you know maybe under center a little bit more, but also the Steelers are probably thinking, you know, they're going to try and run the ball a bit more with their backs this week. And if the Bengals can utilize play action, if they could, I, I don't know how effective it will be if they, if and when they do run it, but I, if they are able to be successful with it, I think that's a big key. If you're able to be tricky enough on your play action plays, if you're able to fool people enough on those and, you know, get into it doesn't have to be these, you know, gigantic passes downfield to chase type of thing off of these. If you're able to kind of do some controlled passing off of that to sustain drives, hold on to the ball, get a field goal, and then, you know, the occasional touchdown if need be. I mean, this could that could make this game pretty difficult for for the Steelers who, you know, if you, if you, if you are the Bengals and you are able to get even a decent lead, um, you know, the Steelers are scrappy and they work at, at comebacks, but they're not really built well as a team to come back from, you know, a decent lead, a big lead, anything like that, uh, you know, coming from behind like that. Yeah, that conversation to me is like what what Steelers offense is going to be there, because yeah, I think in an unprofessional sense, th- this might be the worst week to play the Steelers question yep. mark, just because you have Matt Canada who's gone like a year too late than when he should have been. We've seen both of the NFL and the college level teams kind of get that boost that first week after a coordinator who was underwhelming or despised, or in this case, both 
is out the door. You have a weird system going on with Pittsburgh because the the quarterbacks coach is the play caller, but the running backs coach is the new offensive coordinator. So it's kind of like a dual responsibility type thing. I'm sure both of them are going to have influence in what it is. Um, Pickett is still Pickett, I think, is the best way that you can say that. Like, he's not a great quarterback by any means. He's had his moments. But I think in general, like, when you get that type of morale boost of, like, thank God the shackles are off of this dreadful offense, your guys tend to play better. So I, I, I'm i not expecting, like, a piss-poor, terrible Steelers offense necessarily. You know, I think they're going to play pretty inspired and pretty happy that a decision that has been made, Anthony, since before Pearl Harbor, a a midseason firing of a Steelers important either head coach or coordinator hasn't happened since 1941, which is crazy crazy to me. Yeah, the the continuity, like people get on the Bengals being too loyal. Steelers are just built on continuity and loyalty. So for them to do that is such a major shockwave within that organization. I think it's going to inspire a lot of their players. But at the end of the day, it's still Kenny Pickett throwing the football. He's not very good at it. So like you said, if they end up being down by 10 or 14 points, usually how they get back in is with some defensive magic, right? And that's what TJ Watt has been known for, whether sacking or tipping balls or interceptions or anything like that. They're still capable of making the splash plays to put their offense in positions to maybe eke something out. So uh, again, I, I'm I'm very curious what the Steelers' offense is going to be. But if, the, if there was a time for the offense to really just put their foot on the gas and look like a completely different unit. It might be against the Bengals defense that's struggling. <laughs> the Steelers off. Now I, I know the Cleveland Browns defense is performing better. I mean, when the Bengals defense is on, you could, you could say, Hey, you know, it's a group that can kind of compete with a lot of the better defensive units in the league, especially with their defensive coordinator. It's been, a, it's been worse to, you could even say a lot worse this year than than in years past, given the amount of yards and you know the points that they've given up in some of these games as well. But I understand in general the Browns defense is is performing at a higher level, and you could even say you know across the board better players than the Cincinnati Bengals defense. Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense last week had thirty four passing yards at the half, thirty four. So. I don't. I, I didn't look up. I didn't bother to look up what he ended up with. It probably wasn't that much higher than than what, what than that number, because quite honestly, as I watched, I, I kind of sort of watched that game. I didn't watch it all the way, but I, man, I, uh, <laughs> it, it was it was pretty a pretty unwatchable offensive output, and that's saying something given the fact that we were just coming off of Burrow being out and the backup being thrown in the you know and the Bengals not really scoring a ton of points with their backup, so. It can't get much worse. The The question is, does the coordinator change prompt what you are saying, which is it's a it's a likely scenario where, hey, you know, it's just it's the boost. It's energizing. I mean, we saw when Cleveland let go of Hugh Jackson and how everybody, you know, started playing that way a handful of years ago, again, at the hands of the Bengals. Um, but I, I, I it's also a scenario where you know they could continue to tread water a little bit with their offensive performance and then if Pickens doesn't go with the shin injury that you know that's a big weapon you lose um and and you kind of become a little bit more one-dimensional where it's your quarterback and your running backs running the football right so (laughs) the the Bengals defense is definitely going to be under I think the not not the most pressure but there's been a lot of scrutiny, obviously, with how the past couple weeks have gone. CJ Stroud lighting them up, you know, getting down early to, to Baltimore and just having that game kind of collapse in front of them. Um, last year, like it was Pickett's first start and, you know, he, he started that game pretty dreadfully, but it ended up working out in Pittsburgh's favor at, at the end of that one. And, and even later in, in the season, you know, it was a pretty high scoring game. Um Mm-hmm. When when you had um, you had both Chase and Mixon out, the Bengals were still able to put up points. But it's a pretty good offensive performance from from that offense too. So I I truly don't again I don't really know what to expect. I don't think the Bengals really know what to expect out of that offense because Najee Harris running the ball has just not been a successful formula for them. Like their offensive line. Warren's still a stud though. Warren is a stud, and he has to be respected, especially in the passing game and. I think last week after some big plays 
giving up on some screens to the Ravens and some short passes, that that's going to be a point of emphasis too. I, I would probably yeah. imagine that he gets featured just as much, if not more, than, than Najee Harris at this point, just because of just how much of a boost that, that gives them. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a lot of unknowns in this game. And for an AFC North game, that, that's that's pretty rare. Shades of Willie Parker, how the ascension Ooh. of Jalen Warren. Yeah, uh, Robert Wark doing the homework for us. Look at this. Look at this stat line, John Sheeran. 15 of 28 for 106. From from Kenny Pickett. Now I don't want to scoff too much because that could change this week. We don't know. Um, well, what's what's going on with the Bengals defense? I mean, what, what what's tackling's been poor? I, you give them a little bit of a pass because I think everybody was shell shocked last week. I I guess right. And when Burrow left the game, I think they were leading right. So I mean, you give them a little bit of a pass where you go, okay, that game just you, you lose your quarterback and you're just kind of spiraled out of control a little bit, but. I know they've had some injuries, but they're just not getting to the passer with other guys other than Trey Hendrickson. They're not tackling as well. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, is it is it simply – is it every layer of the defense is just taking a step back, or is it largely those two safeties that they lost this offseason that has just been a, a, a real killer to that unit? Yeah, I'm. I would say the linebackers are fine, but defensive yeah. line and secondaries are where the are where the issues are. Everyone knows. Everyone knows when DJ Reader and BJ Hill aren't on the field, they have the worst depth at defensive tackle. It's just not even close. Like Zach Carter yeah. has somehow regressed from last year when he couldn't find the ball. He's does not provide a lot of use in either phase. Joseph aside was going to be so important to provide a pass rushing boost yeah, man. And, and the high ankle sprain that clearly impacted the start of his season. He just hasn't really been able to find his footing. Cam sample has been fine. But again, if Cam sample is right now, your best second best edge outside of Hendrickson, because you don't have Hubbard out there. It, it's a weakness. Miles Murphy. I think he's flashing some more, but the process with him is still, it still has ways to go. With with the secondary though, like I think Dax Hill has been fine as an individual. Nick Scott and his missed tackles and his bad angles, yeah. it's been pretty critical. It's why Jordan Battle is essentially the starter now, as announced yeah. by Lou and Arumo. He's just a better tackler. He's just in position more. So many of the big plays though, like it hasn't always been just CJ Stroud, you know, bombing it down the field thirty yards a, a, you know, a time, eight times a game against the Ravens. Like they they got really lucky with that phantom holding call that, that brought back the touchdown, albeit, you know, it got, it got balanced out by the phantom PI against DJ Turner, oh, but there's, just, there's just been too many big plays and the, the interceptions from Kane Taylor Britt have helped. I think the overall play from DJ Turner has helped because Chidbe Wuzier has been up and down because he's been coming back from injury, but there's just been too much spottiness with the secondary. Um, I don't know if it's a communication issue, but they're they're just out of position too often, and it might have just been too much turnover at that position. Yeah, and, and youth. Um, you know, I mean, you've got a lot of new faces that have ascended to bigger roles, maybe than originally thought. But I mean, I I, I do again. I still think the future is really bright with CTB. Uh, I think mm -hmm. the future is bright with DJ Turner. I think the future is bright with Dax Hill. We'll see what Jordan Bat. I think we all kind of like like what he has shown for here and there. Um, so the future is pretty bright there. It might have just been, you know, a little bit of a buzzsaw of a lot of inexperience and a lot of youth, which we knew was going to be the case. Um, and then, of course, the pass rush depth, like you said, there's just, you know, it, what I, I talk about this so much and I hate to keep bringing it up. But part of the deal that was so effective about 21 was when you, you had Larry O in there, you could switch Larry O out and bring B.J. Hill in and vice versa. And those guys just interchanged and brought a, a lot of different, um, you know, just diverse looks up front and a lot of different disruption to, to the opposition. And they just have not been able to recreate that. So that's got to be an off season priority, but we're not talking about the off season quite yet. John the Bengals are five and five. They host the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are still alive for the playoffs. And Hey, if they beat the Steelers, I think they leapfrog them in the AFC North standings because yeah. the Steelers are six and four. Um, so that would help your playoff positioning here. What's your prediction for this one? I, I'm going to go on a limb and say there are more points scored than people may think in this game. I don't I don't know if it's going to get into the 30s necessarily, but I'm going to say it's orange and black. 
you know, that's a pretty good combination. They rarely lose in that. Browning has the benefit of not having a lot of tape on him. The Steelers have the benefit of not having any tape on whatever this offense is going to be. I think both teams are going to kind of catch the other by surprise. And I think just like last year in at Paycor Stadium, it's going to come down to a game-winning field goal. I think Evan McPherson makes makes one at the gun 26 look at you. Yep. Look at you. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually am in a little bit of agreement about point score. Now I may eat that because we just talked all up and down about tickets, 100, what, 109, 106 passing yards last week and a backup quarterback for the Bengals. But like you said, I think most teams, maybe this might be a game that they don't, uh, you know, they're not, expe- they're not going to expect some of the things coming at them. Who knows about the boost with Canada being being gone? So yeah, I mean, I think this might be a little bit more exciting than you think. I, you know, since you did it, I'll pick them too. I don't know how much I actually believe it, but I will say, uh, I'll say twenty-two twenty. Bengals. What did you say? Twenty-six twenty-one. Twenty-six twenty-four. Twenty-six twenty-four. Okay, I'll go. I'll go a little lower. Uh, I'll do the prices right thing and go twenty-two twenty <laughs> and, and 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 undercut you there. We'll see what happens, though. I mean, this could be I, – I, I honestly do not know what to expect out of this game. have no idea what to expect out of this game. Um, total total wild card anomaly of a game, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully the Bengals at least make it fun. And like, like we said earlier, hopefully they kind of keep it competitive, keep the rest of the season competitive. I think that's what we want. I know higher draft picks are, are you know, good in a lot of different things, but I think – you know, show show some fight, get some wins, and maybe be be in the conversation late and make yourself interesting. I think that's at a minimum what what we would want as those who are fans and cover the team, etc. Let's get out of here. Let's drop the mic and get out of here on this precipice of a holiday. John, what do you got for us on our way out, buddy? Well, to to add on to that point, I think everyone can be on board with like the most optimal outcome of the season, which would be. If you lose five games, it's perfectly fine. Beat the Steelers twice, I guess. You know, that's I don't think that's gonna be <laughs> yeah. against yeah. anyone's anyone's wishes, yeah. you know. Maybe maybe that yeah. starts Sunday, but um uh, I, I think though, I think another positive out of Jake Browning just shining and exceeding everyone's expectations would be if we could if we get to we get to use his nickname in that case, Jakey spin rate. Jakey freaking spin rate. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder that was a secret for two years it's I, terrible I but we're gonna that. use it if he's good <laughs> yeah i love it i love it and uh yeah just a, a reminder i i i think i had heard this but kind of was reminded this week about uh jonah williams and jake browning being high school yep. high school teammates right yeah so um that that's kind of cool i i didn't really connect all of that but that's that's a pretty cool connection and so at least there's you know hopefully some some chemistry or whatever you want to call it there going forward okay let's uh we'll we'll get out of here i got two things one is a story uh and so randomly for the first year my my oldest son he's six and a half um i I was never a basketball guy i mean i played and i would screw around with with you know friends and whatever play but i never played like in league or anything like that so i was never a basketball guy um, so we signed my, my son's showing a lot of like, that's one of the sports he'll go out and play on his own. Like he'll just go shoot hoops and a hoop we have and all this kind of stuff. So I, long story short, we signed him up for this league and we are going to not be available for his pra- his very first practice next week. So there was this random, and it's kind of far from my house, especially with traffic. There was this random camp this week where, you know, you can bring some canned goods and they, they donate that to a charity and stuff. So it was kind of a cool deal. And some of the coaches work him through drills for like an hour and a half and that sort of thing. I'm like, well, he's not getting his first practice. So I'd like to have him kind of be somewhat prepared. He's never played organized basketball before. So, okay, let's do it. So I go there. I'm like, oh man, I'm battling this. It's like almost an hour. And you know, he's six and a half sitting in the car, getting antsy the whole drill. And so I'm like, oh, why did we, you know, we showed up a few minutes late. I'm like, why did we end up doing this? This is ridiculous. So he goes in there and I was going to go get my computer to do some work. Uh, while I was watching watching him do his thing. And as I go out to my, as I'm going out to my car, I see this guy, I'm like, that is TJ Hushmanzada. And he's walking into the the gym. I'm like, okay, well, I went, 
I'm like, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. I went to get my computer and sure enough, he's there. My, the, the practice goes on. He's on an adjacent court. I was going to maybe say something. I wasn't going to wear a Bengals hat, by the way. I, I was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm done wearing the Bengals stuff for a little while. But I happened to wear one that night. He saw me and he, at the end of the, the night. And he's all, hey, with a big smile. And uh, so anyway, we talked for about five minutes and stuff. And then I introduced my son to him and stuff. Incredibly cool guy. His family was there. Um, and so I uh, got to meet TJ Hushmanzada in person, which was cool. And it was super random. I don't know why. I, I don't know where he lives, but I just total random that he was there. But pretty cool deal. And, of course, he was very nice to my son and I. Um, so who's you're the man as if you weren't already. You are you are the man. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and then just quickly to my youngest son, his birthday is tomorrow on Thanksgiving. So appropriate because he's the sweetest, coolest little dude. So happy birthday, Nixon. Happy birthday, Nixon. Anthony sees more former and current Bengals players 3,000 miles away from Cincinnati than I do 20 miles it's away. Weird, from dude. <laughs> it's weird, dude. It's weird. So for those, if you're familiar with Southern California, you probably know the city of Anaheim because that's where Disneyland is. So I live way further south from I live about 30 miles south. But traffic getting there, especially at 4, 430, it's like an hour, basically one way. And so I was like, what the hell am I doing? You know, it's just battling this traffic. I'm just like, oh, man, is this even worth it? And of course, it's worth it for my son to develop his skills. But that was just an extra added icing on the cake there. It was uh, it was pretty cool. You got to give him a hush jersey now. I mean, I'm sure they're on sale. <laughs> I should. Yeah, probably should. Probably should. And hopefully we can get DJ on the show at some point. I didn't I didn't plug the show. I didn't plug anything. I just, you know, kind of said, hey, nice meeting you, et cetera. But kind of a fun story. Cool story. Anyway, John, you have yourself a happy Thanksgiving, man. Enjoy your time with your friends well. and your family. Uh, all the listeners, thank you. All the listeners out there as well, appreciate you. I know uh, some of you may already be celebrating here. Like you said, what is it, Blackout, Blackout Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that. So, yeah, you may be celebrating already, but appreciate those who tuned in live, those who tuned in after the fact. Take care, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's hope the Bengals regardless of how the rest of the season goes, at least like John said, get those two against the Steelers, get those two against the Steelers. Take care, everybody. 